Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Pro Football Draft Junkie Podcast. Today is January 7th, 2021. We got the College Football National Championship coming up in a couple days. We got the NFL playoffs starting this weekend. There's a lot to be excited about if you're a football fan. Um, today we got uh, mock draft. Uh, we got stock report to talk about for a couple players. And to open up, I wanted to talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields, um, especially because they just played each other this past weekend um, with Justin Fields and his Ohio State Buckeyes emerging victorious. Justin Fields obviously having the monster game that he had. I believe it was six touchdown passes um, and him boosting his draft stock immensely um, uh, and probably putting himself as the QB2 in the NFL draft, um, there's still going to be some talk about him and Zach Wilson um, as the QB2. But the point of what I wanted to talk about is there's some talk about him maybe being the number one overall pick in the draft this year, um, which made me want to talk about uh, something called recency bias, which is what have you done for me lately? Um, Trevor Lawrence, I still do think, is going to be the number one pick taken this year. But with what happened in this game, uh, Fields, and rightfully so, Justin Fields played out of his darn mind, taking that hit he took, um, still picked apart the Clemson team, and he deserves all the credit in the world. That's not why I'm talking about this. This is more so about Trevor Lawrence, what we're going to be talking about comparing these two uh, young men. Um, but what I've seen happen a lot, you know, we're, a lot of sites are talking about uh, Justin Fields maybe overtaking Trevor Lawrence as the top pick. And I want to remind people that with draft season comes a lot of this aforementioned recency bias and the what have you done for me lately. And I think we need to be careful when we're looking at that. Uh, we need to make sure when we look at these players that we look at their entire careers. Uh, because Justin Fields was a victim of the same recency bias only a couple weeks ago. People were starting to discard Justin Fields a little bit a couple weeks ago when he had his games against Northwestern and Indiana. Like, I mean, let's not forget against Northwestern, he went 12 for 27 for 114 yards with zero touchdowns and two picks. And the Big 12, Big 10, excuse me, championship, he was carried by Trey Sermon, who had his monster game. Well, we'll get to him later in my stock report. Um, and then against Indiana, he went 18 for 30 with 300 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. Um, recency bias. He was amazing last year. I, I believe it was 40 touchdowns and one interception. Amazing last season. We were all talking about him as the top two pick coming into this season. But then he had those. He has those two not so stellar games, and then blah blah blah. We're talking about maybe Trey Lance and Zach Wilson both going ahead of him. Uh, what what's going to happen with Justin Fields? He's you know what's going on? What's going on? Clemson's going to roll them. He comes out and just blows the doors off of Clemson in that game. And now we're talking. You know, certain people are talking about him maybe jumping past Trevor Lawrence and people are forgetting that Trevor Lawrence went 34 and two as a starter in at Clemson university. And the two games that he lost weren't really his fault either. He lost to LSU last year in the national championship, um, against arguably the greatest offense I've ever seen in my lifetime as a 33 year old. I've never seen an offense like LSU last year. Uh, I believe they scored 42 points against Clemson. Uh, Trevor was playing from behind the entire game. I don't have his stat line from LSU. I believe he threw one pick. I don't. You know what? I think he threw no touchdowns and no picks. So he just couldn't really find a rhythm going. But against Ohio State a couple days ago, 
in the Sugar Bowl, he went 33 for 48 with 400 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. The pick was at the end of the game when the game was already over. It was kind of a, a odd 50-50 ball, if I'm remembering correctly. He did have one rushing touchdown, but I mean, 400 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. The game, Clemson was getting destroyed on every single um, every single drive. I mean, there's only so much. That, and I'm not trying to make... I'm not trying to make excuses for Trevor Lawrence either. I'm just trying to show the facts here that there's only so much he could have done as well. I can only present the stats to you guys, and these stats do not show a quarterback that lost the game for his team. I am trying to explain the recency bias, like I said. Justin Fields only a month ago was being talked about as somebody who whose draft stock was starting to plummet a little bit, and now there is there has been legitimate talk about him going number one overall. And I'm not denying that he has the talent either. you got to remember that these guys, even going back all the way to high school, there was they, they have always been right around 1A and 1B. I still think it is probably 1 and 2, but even 24-7 sports, I believe in the recruiting rankings in 2018, it was Trevor Lawrence 1, Justin Fields 2, um, not even the quarterback rankings, the actual overall rankings was one and two. Um, but like I said, as far as overall career, you can't discount that. Trevor Lawrence as an 18-year-old at Clemson dissected a Nick Saban defense that was chock full of NFL starters, guys that are in the league right now back in 2018. Uh, uh, like that team off the t- I, I mean, I'm not even going to go into who's on the team right now, but I remember in 2018, that was Tua Tungavailoa, Minka Fitzpatrick. They ran through their whole schedule, uh, killed everybody. Uh, Georgia played them very hard. I remember that. Tua went down. Jalen Hurts came in, led them from behind. That was the only team that played them close. Then they went to the national championship, and Trevor Lawrence, like a surgeon, just destroyed them as a true freshman 20 for 32 for 347 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. True freshman destroyed the greatest coach of all time on a defense that was loaded with future NFL talent that is currently in the league right now. You got to look at the entire career. I still think Trevor is the best quarterback that we have seen in a very long time. Um, Again, not to discount anything that Justin Fields just did. I still think he will be... Probably my number two rated quarterback this year. Um, once we get to the full breakdowns and scouting reports, um, I just wanted to make sure that we are careful when we look at um, what have you done for me lately. And again, you even look at the two that these when these guys played head to head last year um, when Clemson was victorious. Trevor went 18 for 33 for 259, two touchdowns, no picks, and a rushing touchdown. Pretty darn good game against Ohio State. And then Justin Fields against Clemson last year went 30 for 46, 320 yards, one touchdown, two picks. And then obviously there was it was that that interception that cost him the game with the the break, the receiver. I, it might have been Chris Olav, but I'm not sure if he was the one. The receiver broke the wrong way and obviously breaking the wrong way, the ball went straight to the Clemson safety's arms and the game was over right after that. So, um, you know, I do think, like I said last week, we were overreacting a little bit on Justin Fields. Um, and boy, did he boy did he prove that uh, with that game he had. There are still, you know, certain things that do worry me a little bit about him at the next level. Um, but like I said, he's still a stud and he needs to be viewed as such. Um, his internal clock is something that 
it still um, gives me some concerns at the next level. But, you know, with the right playbook and play calling, the guy is, I mean, there's a reason he's, like I said, there's a reason that he has always been right there neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence, both statistically and in the rankings his entire career. The dude is just a baller and a stud. Um, and with his mobility, he can, you know, when the pocket breaks down, and I think that's how the play calling at the next level is going to be designed to help him out and bail him out of trouble because his legs are designed to do that. So, um, like I said, I wanted to open up the show and talk about that because that was the big game from this weekend as far as star power with the two of them going off head-to-head. And I think that made the Jets' decision at number two a lot harder. Um, Obviously, now that they're not going to be getting Trevor Lawrence, I think you have three realistic options for the Jets at number two. And we're going to get to that – well, we're going to talk about it now, but we're going to get to who my pick is for them when I go through my mock draft at the end of the show, um, who I have them picking. But I think the three realistic options are going to be Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or Panay Sewell. Um, And now that Fields, you know, like I said, with that recency bias, you do – and, you know, like I said, I'm speaking against recency bias, but you do obviously take a little bit of stock out of games like that. As much as I'm saying you have to, you have to, you know, take what somebody did in their entire career. Obviously, you do have to have some stock in, in the, rec- the recent events. Um, this obviously vaulted him into rarefied air as far as the 2021 NFL draft. And now the Jets have a very difficult decision to make. Uh, Joe Douglas, I believe, has been retained as the Jets GM. Um, this will be his second season as the Jets GM. And when guys uh, become new GMs, they usually like to attach themselves to their own quarterbacks. And Sam Darnold isn't his quarterback. So that would lead me to believe that he will want to take his own guy, which is why I think that's going to be a difficult decision for them at number two. So with Fields doing what he just did, like I said, that's going to be interesting what they decide to do. And I will – you know, like I said, I will say who I think they're going to get in a couple of minutes once I get to the mock draft. So a lot of interesting stuff. Um, once we get to the offseason and free agency starts to take place, too, it kind of becomes a little more clear what teams are going to do. But now that now that the uh, playoffs just started in the first, what is the number, 18 picks are set, that does make it a little bit easier once we get to the mock draft. Who, who we think the teams are going to take. But let's talk a little bit about some stock reports. Now that I've been um, getting deeper into my scouting reports on certain players, uh, watching tape and stuff like that, I've been able to you know take stock on who I think is rising and who's falling. And these are my personal opinions, by the way, not who I think is rising and falling in the media's eyes when I do these. Um, so let's get to – and this is in no particular order either – Uh, Let's start with a stock up. And, of course, let's start with someone who just played this weekend, Uh, Trey Sermon, running back for Ohio State. Uh, Guy who wasn't even a starter going into the season. He's been playing because Master Teague has not been playing. Uh, The starting running back for the Ohio State Buckeyes has not been playing. So it's been going to Trey Sermon, who had the monster game against Northwestern. He went for 29 rushes, 331 yards. Two touchdowns, which is an average of 11.4. And then against Clemson, he had 31 carries, 193 yards. That's good for 6.2 yards per carry, and he had one touchdown in that game. And I compared that against his season stats. Uh, On the season, he has 115 carries for 868 yards. He's averaging 7.8 yards per carry this season, and he has four touchdowns. 
So that means these last two games he's played, uh, what is that? That's 60 carries. That's over half of his carries have just been these last two games this season. Um, and he's 6'1", 215, which is great size for a running back. The question now becomes, has he vaulted himself into the top three, top five running backs of the NFL draft? Um, I don't know if I'm ready to put him in the top three, but I do think I'm ready to put him in the top five should he declare for the draft this season. Um, he reminds me, <clears throat> excuse me, of someone like, um, uh, help come to my head real quick, uh, Josh Jacobs, there we go, someone at Alabama who didn't start, didn't get a lot of the um, attention, but man, when his number was called, he was ready and just exploded. And, you know, his his stock has just skyrocketed from here. And if he has another big game like that against Alabama, and this isn't the Alabama of old. Their defense isn't great. They're beating people with offense this season. I would expect Trey Sermon to have another pretty good game against them um, and then come out and probably be, like I said, end up being a top three, top five running back. Like I said, not ready to put him top three yet, but probably top five. Um, you got guys like Najee Harris, uh, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, and then probably Trey Sermon as of now. It's probably where I'd have him, right about four in my early stages of scouting. Um, Let's go to a stock down right now. Right now, my stock is a little down on Mr. Kyle Trask, the quarterback from the University of Florida. Uh, Just was a Heisman finalist, too. Congratulations to him. And then congratulations to the winner, Mr. Devontae Smith from Alabama. Right now, let's talk about Mr. Kyle Trask. Um, coming in at 6'5", 240, which is great size for a quarterback. Um, he did have his worst two games as a starter, I noticed. His worst two games were without Kyle Pitts, who was his weapon. And in the NFL, you're not always going to have the uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? You're not always going to have the luxury of playing with the best weapons every week. And in the games where he didn't have Kyle Pitts, he struggled. Um, against Oklahoma, he went 16 for 28, uh, 158 yards, zero touchdowns, and three picks. And I understand the Oklahoma game was not just Pitts. He was missing about well, four receivers in that game, but he did not look good at all. I do give him credit for not opting out of that game, but I do feel like he cost himself maybe some money in that game because he showed some arm strength problems in that or concerns in that game. Um, decision-making issues, uh, lack of mobility, just was not a good game for him. And then the LSU game um, might have been the game that cost him the Heisman as well. Uh, there was no Kyle Pitts in that one as well. And the LSU game, I think, was almost worse for his NFL stock than the Oklahoma one because the LSU team, that was this was an LSU team that was depleted. I mean, that's been the talk this entire season. LSU had a ton of opt-outs this season. They ended up going 5-5, five and five, I believe, which was a miracle given how poorly they had played the season. Um, and Kyle went 29 for 47 for 474 yards, which is great yardage, but two touchdowns, two picks um, just did not look very good in that game. Like I said, he, the arm strength looks a little iffy on some of these deep balls I'm seeing. Um, it, he just, and you look at the stats and they do look great. The touchdown interception ratio looks great, but when you watch the games, you do see that the playbook, or the yeah, the playbook has specifically been tailored to make sure that the stats are a little bit padded. So you you want to be careful when you watch that sometimes because I remember watching the Florida Tennessee game, 
and I believe that there were three passing touchdowns from inside the five-yard line. And you're, you're like, wait a minute. And you realize, you're like, okay, these could be padding the stats just a little bit. And that makes that touchdown-to-pick ratio look a little bit better than it would for a normal quarterback. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying you got to be careful when you're looking at the statistics. Um, so, uh, yeah, Kyle Trask, I got the stock down just a little bit. He'll probably be – he could go late first round, but I have about a mid-second round grade on him right now. Um, stock up. Justin Fields, um, I don't think I need to go too far into that. I think I did a good enough job talking about that at the beginning of the show, so I will leave that as it is for now. Um, stock down, let's stick with another quarterback. Um, I don't even know if it's stock down as much as just stock neutral because he didn't get to play much this year. That's Mr. Trey Lance out of North Dakota State University. He only got to play one game this season, which is why I don't even know if I want to say stock down. Um, this is a young man, like I said, at North Dakota State University. Comes in at 6'4", 226 pounds. He, like I said, played one game this year against Central Arkansas because North Dakota State University does not play Division I football. They play in the FCS. I almost said Division I AA because that's what it was called when I was growing up, but they rebranded into the FCS, which is the Football Championship Series. Um, and their season is in the spring, Got pushed to the spring, but obviously Trey Lance will not be playing that because he will be getting ready for the NFL draft. So they did an exhibition game against Central Arkansas this year in which Trey Lance went 15 for 30, uh, 149 passing yards, two touchdowns, one pick. And then he also had 15 carries for 143 yards with two rushing touchdowns. But the one season in which he was a starter, he had 28 touchdowns against zero picks, which is absolutely filthy, and that's what put him on everyone's radar but the reason he's neutral for me so far right now, trending a little stock down, like I said, because he didn't play is hurting him a little bit. But also when I watch the tape, I see a phenomenal athlete who can run, uh, has a cannon of an arm. But I see a little bit of an accuracy issue, which is starting to worry me a little bit. What makes me not panic is what, I, what I'm seeing happen in Buffalo uh, with, with Mr. Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen has seemingly done what a lot of people didn't think could be done, which is when a quarterback has accuracy issues, that's always been thought of as something you can't really fix. But Josh Allen has said, no, you can fix that and with the proper coaching. And now the dude's an MVP candidate, and it just it, it boggles the mind. Because like I said, that's one of the things where it just that used to be thought of as one of the uncoachable. It's like, well, we just need to call around those that weakness and just, you know, adjust the playbook to that. It's like, well, no, we can fix that. Brian DeBall at Buffalo is like, no, I'm going to work on that and I'm going to fix it. And with someone like Trey Lance with the proper coaching, you could develop him and he's, he's a much better Josh Allen's a great running quarterback, but Trey Lance is a better athlete than Josh Allen. And that's kind of the comp I'm seeing is a more, the comp I'm seeing in my own, with my own eyes is a more athletic Josh Allen, which would be scary if he would were, were to reach his potential of the NFL. But right now, um, watching the tape, that's what I'm a little worried of, though, right now, is the accuracy just isn't there. Like I said, Josh Allen was the unicorn. Like I said, he fixed his accuracy, whereas many, many people before him did not do that. So I would need to see Mr. Lance do that before I became a believer. And right now on the tape, the accuracy is still an issue. And this was against uh, 
FCS talent. So right now, like I said, I'm leaning towards stock just a little down because other guys have been able to jump him too, who played Zach Wilson came out of nowhere with BYU this year and just put up gaudy numbers. Um, Trey Lance was my number three. He's my number four right now because Zach Wilson um, pushed him. And I got Mac Jones right behind Trey Lance. Um, so it's – it's um, he's pushing him right now. So stock neutral, trending just a little downward if I had to say right now. Uh, we're going to go to a stock up. Uh, one of my favorite linebackers in the class this year, and that is Mr. Zaven Collins out of Tulsa University. Good Lord, this guy, I was watching his tape. He might be able to play anywhere on the defensive front seven, even even defensive line in a pinch. Like I was watching his tape uh, playing for Tulsa, and he was lining up all over the place for a dude that size. I just couldn't believe it. Um, let me – I'm pulling up my notes right here. I want to say he was 260 pounds. Let's see. Yeah, 6'4", 260 pounds. Um, I watched the UCF tape, the Tulane tape, and I think it was Oklahoma State. And a guy that big should not be moving the way he moved. I've seen people, um, other sites and scouts talk about him potentially playing the edge position uh, in the NFL. I would play him almost anywhere. You could play him outside linebacker. He can cover. A guy that big shouldn't be able to cover. Um in the NFL, but I, I don't see any reason he couldn't, uh, based on the tape I was watching. Uh, I might not love him as an inside linebacker so far on the tape I've seen, but there's no reason he couldn't do it, like I said, in a pinch. If you if you have a need, you could definitely throw him there. I mean, I was just watching the tape, just wondering why this guy isn't in more people's top 10, top 15. For me, he's almost he's almost definitely going to be in my top 10 uh, come, come that time where I have to officially nail down my big board, almost definitely going to be a top 10, top 15 player. Um, just watch, like I said, watching the tape, I just couldn't believe it had taken me that long to, to realize how good he was and how nimbly he moved for a guy like that. This is a good linebacker class too. Um, but like I said, where you're seeing a lot of these linebackers now that move like that are usually in the 6'2", 200-pound range. Zayvon Collins is a guy who is, like I said, 6'4", 260 moving like that. So we don't know what the combine is going to look like this year. So this is a guy that could potentially make himself a lot of money if he can go and run, I don't know, like a four. I don't I don't even know what, like I said, I don't know what 40 time to predict for a guy like that because Looks like someone that could potentially run a four seven. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what to project for someone that big. Maybe a four seven. I don't know. But if he does run something in that range, like I said, we're talking about someone that's going to potentially make himself millions of dollars by testing through the roof because the tape shows someone who is just a freak athlete and could play anywhere, um, any linebacking position would be fine, or play any edge position. Like I said, so stock way up for Mister Zaven Collins. Um, let's go to my last stock down for today. Um, and this is another one that might not be through any fault of his own, but it's just the tape that I've been watching. Um, and again, it's because he didn't play much this year, but that's Mr. Gregory Rousseau out of the University of Miami Hurricanes. When I watch the tape on this man, he looks like uh, possibly the biggest boom or bust prospect in the draft coming up this season. Um, 
because he opted out the season, he didn't. There, there's only one year of tape. He he started one season, um, and his numbers were crazy. Uh, give me a sec while I pull them up. I believe he had almost 20. Yeah, he had 19 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks in his one. That was his redshirt freshman year. His one lone year as a starter. He did opt out this season and then decided to go pro. Um, he is six seven, I believe. Um, my numbers, yeah, six seven, two hundred and fifty pounds. When I watch the tape, I see a very raw athlete out there. Um, needs refinement. I'm not sure if he's a top ten. You almost, you look at almost every website right now. You see top ten, top ten, top ten. I don't know if I see that on the tape. Like I said, I see someone who's very raw. Um, needs some re- needs refinement on his moves. I see someone who looks a little bit better on the inside when I watch the tape as opposed to the edge. But if he's going to play on the inside in the NFL, I don't know at 250 if if he might need to add some weight if he's going to play on the inside. But you worry if he's going to be playing at two if he's going to if he needs to add weight to play on the inside. You wonder if that's going to take away from some of the explosiveness. And then you worry if you take away from the explosiveness, then that takes away from from I don't know. Then you 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 start to snowball from there. So like I said, that worries me a little bit from someone who's already raw. Um, I I I get a little bit worried about that. And like I said, when you, with someone who's that raw, you you run the risk of boom or bust prospect. Like I said though, there is that potential boom quality. I. If I were going for the edge prospect and I had to pick like that, I'm interested in his teammate right now, to be honest with you, um, Mr. Jalen Phillips, who I have going number 23 right now when I get into my mock draft. But I think I think as season as the uh, mock season heats up, I think Jalen Phillips will start to rise. We'll see what happens with, with Greg Rousseau. Um, just what I've noticed in the tape, he, like I said, there's – there's a lot of refinement needed to his game, and my personal philosophy, if you're going in top 10, I've never been a big fan of taking players who are very raw, uh, and the word upside, I've never been a big fan of the word upside when I'm taking guys in the top 10. Again, that is my personal opinion, but that's where I stand on the stock report with Mr. Russo right now is a little bit down, um, and we will end the stock report for this week with an up, and that is another edge rusher. And that will be Mr. Joseph Osai. I hope I'm saying his name right. Mr. Joseph Osai out of the University of Texas, who just hired a new head coach, uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Mr. Osai comes in at 6'4", 253 pounds at the University of Texas. Had a good season this year. Only played nine games, 15 and a half losses, uh, 15 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. Um, I watched the TCU game. Uh I'm trying to remember what else I watched. I watched the Red River game. The TCU game is the one that stood out. That he took that game over. Uh, he played a lot, hands up. To looks like a guy that could potentially play uh, outside linebacker if he wanted to. Uh, edge, uh, like um, I would probably be more comfortable playing. Like I said, playing outside linebacker, just going after the passer the entire game. This looks like the kind of guy where I'd probably like him to just. Uh, pin his ears back and just go at go and try and get in the backfield the entire game. Just stuff the run, go after the quarterback. He's just one of those guys that when I was watching the tape had the potential to wreck the backfield the entire game, and that's what I watched when I was um, looking for that young man. Um, and that's where I will end 
the stock report for this week. Like I said, Joseph Osai out of Texas. Um, in a class where I didn't think edge rush was that great this year, I'm starting to learn it's a lot better than I thought because we're going to get into more guys coming out this week too or coming out later in the future. We just had Aziz Ojolari from Georgia declare a couple days ago. Um Zaven Collins, like I said, he can play edge. There is, it's a lot better than I had first thought. It's, it's just, we needed some of the dominoes and guys to declare and stuff like that. It's a, it's a pretty good class, guys. So there's a lot to be excited about. With that being said, with the stock report for this week, let's go ahead and get to the mock draft and blow through this thing. Now, like I said, with the first 18 picks being set in stone with the teams who aren't playing in the playoffs. It's going to be a lot easier going forward for and as teams start getting knocked out of the playoffs to kind of nail what teams are doing. And with, once free agency starts after the playoffs, that's when you get a lot better idea of what teams are going to do. But with that being said, let's go ahead and get started, shall we? With the number one pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson University. I mean, I don't think there's that much to say about this one going forward. I'm probably not even going to have to say that much. The Jaguars take their quarterback of the future, uh, and Jag fans just, you know, hope hope that this is going to be the guy that they have been waiting for since 1995 uh, to be their true franchise quarterback, first one since Mark Brunel, that can lead them to greener pastures. Uh, with the second pick, the New York Jets take Justin Fields, quarterback from uh, the Ohio State University, changed that one up from Zach Wilson last week. So Justin Fields with the third pick, the Miami Dolphins take Panay Sewell, offensive lineman out of Oregon. Uh, this one could get very tricky for the fence. They could go Jamar Chase here as well, but I have them taking Panay Sewell. This could be a trade option once we get closer to the draft, but I think I told you all last week I don't like to do I don't like to do trade scenarios this early. With the fourth overall pick, the Atlanta Falcons take Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Uh, the Falcons will be having a new GM and a new coach. Uh, new general managers always means new quarterback, obviously. But I, I just – I think I said this last week. The Falcons, you don't know where they're going to be picking next year. I don't think the quarterback class so far is as good next year as it is this year. And you already have the number four overall pick this year. You know you're picking fourth this year. I think it would be a good idea to go ahead and get the quarterback search out of the way this year. You know you're not going to have to throw him to the Wolves next year with Matt Ryan already on the team. I say you go ahead and just pick the quarterback this year, and that's what I have them doing with Zach Wilson. Uh, number five, I don't believe – nope, no change this week. Number five, I have the Bengals taking Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow gets his college receiver back on his pro team. Uh, wide receiver Jamar Chase, LSU. With pick six, the pick that the Eagles – was seemingly tanked for against the Redskins. Oops, sorry, against the Washington football team uh, on Sunday night. The Philadelphia Eagles take Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. With pick seven, the Detroit Lions select Micah Parsons, outside linebacker, uh, Penn State. With pick eight, the Carolina Panthers select Patrick Sertan, cornerback, Alabama. No change there. With pick nine, the Denver Broncos select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State University. No change there either. With pick 10, the Dallas Cowboys select Rashawn Slater, 
offensive line, uh, Northwestern, Jerry Jones goes to protect his new quarterback, which I do think something will get done with Dak Prescott. And, you know, Dallas's line isn't what it used to be. Rashawn Slater is somebody who is uh, he will most likely be on my next stock report starting to rise. He can instantly make that line better in Dallas. Uh, pick 11, the New York Giants select Gregory Rousseau. Just talked about him. Uh, edge rusher, University of Miami. Same pick I had them making last week. Pick 12, the San Francisco 49ers select Caleb Farley, cornerback, Virginia Tech. With the 13th pick, the Chargers select Wyatt Davis, uh, interior offensive lineman, Ohio State University. Uh, you got your franchise quarterback, now you got to protect him. They could all, I think they can go one of two ways with that pick, like I said last week. They can get a receiver or they can go offensive line. Um, with this particular one, I got them beefing up that uh, that interior offensive line. With the 14th pick, the Minnesota Vikings select Quiddy Pay. I think I'm saying his name right. I don't know if it's K. Witty or Quiddy. Quiddy Pay, edge rusher, University of Michigan. With the 15th pick, the New England Patriots select Jalen Waddell, wide receiver, Alabama. With the 16th pick, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyle Pitts, tight end, Florida, and further, I don't know. If, I I still don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be there at sixteen. I just this is just how it ended up going in this mock draft. I just didn't know where else to put him. But as of now, another weapon for Kyler Murray with the sixteenth overall pick. With the number seventeenth pick, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders select Joseph Osai, edge rusher, University of Texas. With the eighteenth pick, the Miami Dolphins select Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, in Minnesota. Get to a weapon. I mean, he hasn't, you know, he's been another one who's been under some scrutiny this year, but the guy was a rookie, only played in half the games of his rookie season. There's already been people talking about him losing his job. It's like, how about you give him some receivers to play with, um, a legitimate passing attack, help the guy out, and then you see what he can do. And, you know, that's what I have them doing in this mock. So, yeah, Rashad Bateman. Uh, with the 19th pick, the Washington football team selects Christian Darishaw, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. With the 20th overall pick, the Chicago Bears select Samuel Cosme, another offensive tackle from the University of Texas. With the 21st overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and this is the pick that they acquired from the Rams, from the Jalen Ramsey trade, select J.C. Horn, cornerback, South Carolina which would be a nice tandem, I think, pairing him with C.J. Henderson on the other side. With the 22nd pick, the Indianapolis Colts select Rondale Moore, wide receiver, Purdue. With the 23rd pick, the Cleveland Browns select Jalen Phillips, defensive end edge rusher from the University of Miami, which we had talked about earlier. With the 24th overall pick, the Tennessee Titans select Aziz Ojolari, edge rusher, University of Georgia. With the 25th pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Christian Barmore, defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman from the University of Alabama. As good as the edge class is, the interior defensive line class isn't great so far that I'm seeing. So this would be a steal, I think, for the Bucs to be getting arguably the best interior lineman with the 25th pick. So that would be great for them. With the 26th pick, the Baltimore Ravens select Zaven Collins, who we were just talking about. 
uh, edge rusher slash linebacker slash whatever the heck you want him to be, bad mofo from Tulsa University. With the 27th overall pick, the New York Jets, which this is the pick from the Seattle Seahawks. This is the Jamal Adams pick. Uh, select Sean Wade, cornerback from Ohio State University, who I had said last week this would be – I had them taking a different corner last week, but this could pay, they could pair him with, um, I believe, Bryce – yeah, Bryce Hall was his name, uh, the young man from University of Virginia. I believe he was a fifth-round pick. That would give the Jets their own uh, nice one-two punch at the corner position. With the 28th pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Alex Leatherwood, uh, offensive lineman from Alabama. With the 29th pick, the Saints select Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker from Notre Dame. Nice, rangy cover um, cover linebacker who I was watching some tape on last night. I like a lot. Could play a little safety, too, if you needed him to. Really like him. Uh, with the 30th pick, the Buffalo Bills select Liam Eichenberg, offensive lineman, Notre Dame. With the 31st pick, the Green Bay Packers select Eric Stokes, cornerback, University of Georgia. And with the 32nd pick, the Chiefs select Nick Bolton, linebacker, local boy for the Chiefs would be too, from the University of Missouri. So that's all I got for you guys this week. I hope you're enjoying it so far. I'm loving being back. I love draft season. Uh, been scouting. Um, I will have an email address uh, soon so you guys could ask some questions. I have the Facebook page up. It's just the Pro Football Junkie Podcast if you want to find us on Facebook. Like I said, is it is the Pro Football Junkie Podcast. Oh, I'm sorry, the Pro Football Draft Junkie Podcast. Man, Making it hard on you guys. <laughs> the Pro Football Draft Junkie Podcast is the Facebook page. So if you would like to find us there, that's honestly easier than an email anyway. I might not even do the email, to be honest with you, now now that I have the Facebook page. It is much easier for me to interact with you all that way. Um, if you guys need anything from me, message me on the Facebook page. And I am looking forward to uh, talking to you guys. Um, until then, I look forward to... Talking to y'all next week or in a couple days whenever I decide to record again. So uh, to you guys who whose teams play this weekend, good luck and uh, let's uh, let's be good to each other.